program for today is called Bible Students. It's about question time. We're going to ask questions that are within our faith from believers and unbelievers alike. And this is an opportunity uh, for I and my pastor here to discuss about uh, some of these questions. So today's the first episode. And the title of this ep- episode is really how how it came about is kind of strange because in my church for the past several Sundays, we have been talking about commitment. And um, the idea of commitment came to mind while I was doing my uh, personal Bible study. And the question for today that we are going to discuss about is many are raised in church, but not raised in Christ. Oh, I've come across many people who have said to me, I was raised in church. I don't need church. You know, I don't need church. And um, because I, I grew up in church, yeah. I grew up attending services, right? Yeah. Let's get to the questions. Um, just the, the, the subject matter today, yeah. the idea of many are raised in, in, in church, but not raised in Christ. Mm, yeah, uh, well... Obviously, how somehow the, the Holy Spirit guided you in as how you came up with even those two words together, because it is so true. It really, uh, it unfortunately strikes me as something that is real. It is possible to be raised in church. It is raised to be raised. It's possible to be raised in an organization or in an organized. Uh, assembly because what that's what church is but it's possible not to be raised in christ it's very very unfortunate but i have to make a comment on that statement even though i'm aware that it's it's a true statement yes i cannot that statement for me would be incomplete if i don't call it what it is so if somebody is raised in church and they are not raised in christ there is a problem. Mm. So the comment I want to make is that that kind of situation there does not give us the definition of how church should be. It is missing something. Yeah, so I want to, to, to label it. I want to, to, to name it. I want to call it out as something or a situation that is missing something. If somebody is raised in church, but they don't have, they're not raised in Christ, there's a, a big gap that needs to be filled. Wow. Just wanted to identify Especially that. somebody who has been in church for so long. Mm. All the messages, all the worship experience. Yeah. So we, we <laughs> call Christianity a journey. <clears throat> yes. But there is something that we say about this journey, Ibrahim. This is something uh, my wife and I <laughs> say uh, quite uh, often. We say that uh, it is not so much about how long you have been traveling. Mm. It is about how much distance you have covered. Interesting. Yeah, I'll say that again. Yeah. So when we think of the Christian walk, yes, Christian journey, it's not so much about how long you have been on it. It is about how much distance you have covered. Because it is possible, Brahim, to be on a journey for a very long time and not cover that much distance. Hmm. So when you tell me that somebody has been in church for a long time, but they have not grown in Christ, and maybe they have even never accepted Christ. Interesting. There's no, 
distance that is being covered in that journey, Ibrahim. They are on the journey, mm. but they're not covering distance. So when we think of somebody who is in church for a long time and that is true, somebody who is not growing spiritually, uh, so the Bible uses the word edification, that scripture is meant to do that for us. But that word really means for for just simple language, means growth, growing in your spiritual walk. So it is true, unfortunately, Ibrahim, the statement you're opening with. It is possible for somebody to be raised in church, yet don't not grow in Christ. It's a very sad situation. Let me um quote um C. S. Lewis. He, mm. he says that um I believe there are too many practitioners mm. in the church who are not believers. <laughs> so let me say that again. So I believe there are too many yeah. practitioners yeah. in the church mm. who are not believers. Yes. I love C.S. Lewis myself a lot. He is one of the greatest thinkers that uh, we have read about when it comes to Christian theology. So when I hear the word practitioner there, mm. I'm hearing that it is possible to have somebody who does the like who does the practicing mm. of gathering without that person really let's now let me be very specific without that person for example ever opening the bible to read it mm. without that person ever accepting christ as their personal lord and savior that would be a practitioner that would be somebody practicing mm. if we are to take uh, cs lewis's word there I like it. Love it. Yeah. Wow. Just points to a reality of this conversation that we are having. Because we we because people think that if I go to church, mm. I'm okay with God. Yeah. If I attend services, I'm all right with God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's something that we have to break to yeah. let people know that yes, church attendance is good. Yeah. But at the end you want to make sure that you have a relationship with this Jesus Absolutely. who is the chief shepherd of the church, who mm -hmm. owns the church. I love the word there you pointed out, chief shepherd. This chief shepherd has an expectation of how things are to be done. He really does. He does have an expectation of how church should be done. And how would we know that? We catch that from many of the references that he makes about the church, like how he talks about the church, how he pictures the church in Romans uh in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we see a very uh, foundational uh, scripture about what it means to be in Christ. He says, with your mouth, you're going to open up your mouth and declare that you believe that Christ died and he was raised from the dead. That you do with your mouth. Yeah. Then he says, that which you're doing with your mouth is coming from what your heart has believed. Mm. So when you believe in your heart, then whatever you, that thing you have believed in your heart, you say it with your mouth that Jesus Christ died, or was born, he, was, uh, he taught, he died, he was raised from the dead. When you accept and, and declare those things, you receive Christ because he says that is the criteria for being saved. There are some people who have never done that, Abraham, and they have been wow. around church for so many years. Hmm. So, yeah, so l let me get to the second question because mm. you mentioned something. Mm. So, in that case, then, people who have uh, uh, grown up in church, mm. 
and one day they decide to leave the church or maybe the ones who were very sincere mm. but they end up deciding you know what i no longer believe in in, in the christian faith yeah yeah so but, how can somebody who has been in church and and they have been in service just like i mentioned previously the gospel artist who decided one day yeah. that i no longer believe in god it was yeah. not just a an attend <clears throat> attendee but he was also part of a minister mm. so how can a minister make such a decision to leave the christian faith yeah i think there's something i i want to cuz i have been had i have had the opportunity of uh, living what's people call in the trenches that's where you you really engage with people who are very open about uh their journey so i've had the opportunity of doing that in many different contexts not even just as a pastor and it really blesses my spirit and it places me in a in a place of really facing the reality of where people are at so i want to start with the word we do have a word uh, in in counseling or spiritual care this word is called validation now validation does not mean that you promote what the person is saying but it means that you're saying to the person that i hear you it means you're saying to the person that it's understandable you're not saying it's true or accurate that's not even where you you're, you're shooting for you just want to validate the person that the frustration is real the abuse of how church has been abused is real the disappointment is real but when i hear you describe something such as what about pastor what about people who have been sincere you i think you used the word yes. sincere there they have been sincerely around church or they have been sincerely maybe trying to do uh what they have defined at their best and a, a time comes and they have made the decision to say you know what i am i'm done i'm i'm that's it that's for that's it for me and church so what i want to say to that person is that whatever those frustrations are i cannot sit here and try to dismiss them that would not be authentic i cannot sit here and try to make light of those frustrations no they are real they have happened <laughs> uh, there's a there's a uh, one of the fa- the founders of the, this church one of the uh, statements she what she always uh, went back to in our conversations was that the, the the church is like the noah's ark and the idea is in the in noah's ark it could get stinky sometimes there was so much stench sometimes yeah but it was more deadly to jump out of the ark because you know what was outside it was a flood brahim mm. it was a flood so church is like i want to say to that brother to that sister who has been treated with so much disappointment or abuse or violation or uh hypocrisy or whatever things that would cause a person who has been around church to come to a point of saying that's it you know what else i didn't include in that line sometimes it is personal things like pride mm. like just personal hindrances like pride uh sometimes oh, yeah overestimation of self thinking maybe that you've now you have more knowledge than what the bible has mm. always encouraged you for the many years all those things i put them together and i say i don't dismiss them they are real but i want to invite that person to check and truly truly check 
whatever this decision they have arrived at right now, mm. what is their source? If you have come to a place, Abraham, and you are, you are saying right now, you know what? No, I have come to this place and I have resolved, I have decided, uh, I don't believe in God. What is your source? What is your source? Mm. What is your source of that mm. data or information that you have based that decision on? Because people, most people, at least people I meet, <laughs> they are smart, they are intelligent, they they don't just randomly make decisions. Yes. Mm. Most people, act, it's, uh, it's very rare to find a stupid person. Many people that you meet, they have a reason for making whatever decision they make. If somebody makes the decision that, you know what, today, that's it for me and church. I'm inviting them today. I'm inviting that person today. After validating those frustrations and all that, I'm inviting them to, to really put their source on a pedestal and, and, and weigh their source. What is their source of whatever has got them to the place of concluding that there is no God uh, mm. or whatever conclusion they have reached at. I want them to check their source because my source is always for me going to be the Bible. And if they're saying to me that, you know what, Pastor, I have, a rather, I have arrived at this conclusion on the mm. basis of what the Bible says, mm. or I am willing, we could even spend the entire uh, day, I am willing to have that conversation. But I want, for sure, I would invite somebody to check their source. I want to people to check their source. Wow. So that's that's really um I like the fact that you said that people don't just come to such a conclusion. No. You know, they have a source, reasons behind. Yeah. You know? And um so the next question is can someone believe in Christ and not committed or contributing to the church or a local church? Mm. Uh okay, so <clears throat> Can somebody believe in Christ? Yes, and not committed. Not, not not to not commit to a local church. Two words here. Can somebody believe in Christ? Mm -hmm. Not committed. Because you can be committed and also maybe not contributing. Mm -hmm. So can somebody in terms of contribution, I'm talking about actually your spiritual gifts. Because yeah. being committed, some people see it as being committed as just attending. Yeah. For them that's commitment, right? Yeah. So because if you believe in Christ, you can do both. Yeah. So my question to you is like, can somebody believe in Christ? Mm. Now we turn it around. It was previously was people can commit to church, not commit to Christ. Yeah. Now the question is, can somebody commit to Christ yeah. and not commit or contribute to the church or a local church? Mm. Yeah. So the answer is yes. The answer is yes. It is. In terms of is that a reality pastor that you have ever seen? Yes, unfortunately, that's mm. a reality that I have seen. To know somebody who is committed to Christ, yet uh, they have accepted Christ, they have received yes. Christ, yeah. but something is still standing in their way of their ability to commit. And I would invite them to really, really check what's standing in their way. Because if you are an authentic, uh, commit committed person who, are, who is committed to Christ. Yeah. There are some things that Christ says or reminds us in terms of how church functions mm. that you would not be able to explain or apply 
if you're not committed to a church. I give you an example. He uses the uh, the image you know, as you know Christ he always used images to teach us because we yeah. can relate to those things. But he talks about uh wheat. He says unless a grain falls in the ground and dies and gets buried it is always going to remain just a grain. But he says if that grain allows itself to be buried so to die be buried then it germinates that which used to be a grain is now going to be a basket or a, a tank of grains and he uses this image when he's talking about the gifts that you and I have so when you accept Christ we gather in this assembly that we call the church and one of the primary purposes of that is to grow to grow in edification in our Christian walk but also to share the gifts mm. now if you accept Christ and you just live a a solo journey in this journey that we call Christianity you have not yielded to the teaching that is giving you're going to remain a, a seed you're going to remain one grain as opposed to this invitation for us to join to assemble to mm-hmm. share in the gift that God has given all of us in revelation the book of revelation chapter 3 the entire book he he uh, so Christ speaks to John in this in this vision and is instru- instructing him to write to specific churches seven of them indeed yep but when you hear a little bit of the detail what he's saying to these churches he's picturing people that are together he's picturing a group that assembles together mm. so Christ has this expectation to him sometimes it's actually like obvious when he's thinking about church he's picturing that there's there's, there's a group of people who have believed on him believed mm. in him and they gather so when you say i have believed in christ but i won't commit or gather in a church there's a big part of what christ is mm. wanting you to do that you are neglecting that you are neglecting it doesn't take away your salvation want to emphasize that mm. does not take away your salvation because your salvation comes by you accepting Christ yes. as your personal lord and savior that when he died on the cross you were one of the people he was thinking about mm. that when you believed on him that took care of your sins and now you are on the way to uh, to heaven but now the question is you got to ask yourself what is the obstacle what is standing in my way if i've believed on him and he has instructed us and he has spoken to us about church a specific a certain way why am i not obedient to that we just had to that mm. if, if they are committed to christ and how are they going to be being being developed how are they going to be being planted you know because the bible at this i think it's in the book of psalm where it says the lord will plant you in his house mm. so if they're not committed to christ mm. And then they neglect the assembly of the church, yeah. and then some of them might think, "I know what my church is online." And how is obviously they're going to be learning from teachers all over the world who are online, but that intimate, personal, physical touch, physical yeah. fellowship, is something that they're going to miss out on it. Yeah, you and know? I can tell you another, a little bit on the negative side of how life works, but it's a reality. 
when you read the book of Matthew chapter 18 <coughs> uh, uh, Christ gives us a a system or a criteria a method all those words there and he says that when you and I have a, a, a conflict that first of all we are bringing it to I want you to pay attention to what Christ has in mind as he gives us this system or this structure that we are to follow when conflict happens. He says, I'm to bring it to you, the person who offended me. When things don't work out, we invite three witnesses or two witnesses. And for that purpose, so that our words can be qualified by the witnesses. And he says, when all that doesn't work, you take it to the church. I want you to tell me the person who decides that for me my church is Google or my church is uh, online, that's it. How is he going to apply this? This is an instruction. I want you to to keep in mind of that. Yeah, it is an instruction or it's a system, and he gave it for a reason. He knew why he was giving us this instruction. Mm. Tell me how you're going to apply that. Which church are you going to take it to? You're going to go on the online and post uh, that brother so and so did this to me, and maybe inviting now three. Uh, I I don't even need to go there. You see where I'm going with this? Yes, yes. When you say you have received Christ, yet you refuse, or you for whatever reason, for whatever justifications you're making in your head, yeah, you say I would not, I will not convene with a, a local assembly. I don't need to convene. With. I don't need to convene with the local assembly. There are many teachings mm. of Christ or the Bible you will not be able to apply. So now um um I did a research recently about Canadian stats. It says that two thirds of Canadian, that is sixty seven percent, say it is not necessary to believe in God in mm. order to be morally good. Or have good values, yeah, right. Um, so in that case, because I was looking at okay, some people when you tell them, you know what, um, it's good to go to church mm. because you learn, you learn things, you know, you, yeah. you you develop values. But some people say they can be a good person; mm. they can still um, develop good values, mm. you know. So this is pretty much a questions to unbelievers, not not much to 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 a new convert, but somebody who is an unbeliever, and then you're trying to approach them yeah. about the gospel, and then you tell them about, hey, um, humanly speaking, none of us are good. We have yeah. fallen short of God's glory, right? But um, and then they would tell you, they know what? I am a good person. I don't need to believe in God. I don't need yeah. to believe in Jesus. Mm to be good or to have good morals to to have good values. Yeah. So how do you see this 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 um situation? Yeah. Mm. Very very profound uh, question Brahim. See that statement uh that it, it uh it poses many problems just in that statement. Eh? Cuz when you say the when you mention a thing moral or other people have, have used the word moral law. It's not necessary for me to have God to, to know what is moral mm. and what is immoral. Yeah. Okay? So when you say that, 
you are suggesting that there is such a thing as something is moral something mm. is immoral okay yeah. you are saying there is such a thing as something is right something is not right okay mm. now if you go along with that you you are inevitably also saying there is such a thing as a moral lawgiver because morals can't just come from a yeah. randomness eh? they can't come from randomness so then so so a follow up for me to that uh, kind of line of thinking would be okay you who is saying that uh, there is no necessity for me to believe in god to be moral I, i would wonder what what is the source for you what is the source of morals for you mm. how unless you're telling me that you are your own source <laughs> there's this guy he's a, he's an atheist he said one of the things that uh, keeps him awake is that he keeps thinking that if there is such a thing as god he cannot live with the idea of him not being that thing mm. uh, i don't know if i made sense to you he not says, being god or yeah yeah if there's such a thing as god in other words he's, if there's such a thing as somebody who is in charge of everything mm. he, this guy can't live with the thought of not being that person so for him he is the source of wow. all the knowledge that he has all the opinions that all the mm. ideas he has he wants to be the source of it so he cannot entertain the possibility wow. that someone else other than him might be the one in uh in mm. charge so for that person i would encourage them to really really truly truly question uh, what is their source of that information because people have so many uh, fancy words and mm. fancy ideas I truly want them to question what is the source of those mm. ideas what is the source of those beliefs for me it is the bible i the reason i truly truly insist that i am not able to 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 live up to <laughs> what you would, you could call uh, morals mm. without the bible is because that i know once i take out this as a standard Yeah. Then I know that uh I am I am left at my own yeah. to decide whatever I want to consider right or wrong. Hmm. But I use the Bible for me as the yardstick to hmm. know right and wrong. When I take out the Bible, I am left I, in fact when I take out the Bible, I cannot even speak to you hmm. regarding right or wrong. Because hmm. if I say there is no necessity for you and I to look to the bible for what is right and wrong then you're going to look to whatever you choose to look to mm. i cannot I, if that is let's say you succeed or that person succeeds in convincing everybody in the world that you know what kick god out of this picture you don't need to follow what god says for you to know what's right and wrong let let's say you successfully convince mm. the whole world to function like that for argument's sake what you have just successfully done is to you have just surrendered your your right to even speak in anybody's life about right or wrong because if we don't have a standard which is for me god which is the bible then whatever standard you you you're using to know right and wrong is 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 the standard Whatever I am using is the standard. So 
I don't know mm. if somebody realizes what they are suggesting when they suggest that you don't need God to be able to determine right from wrong. You don't need the Bible, you don't need God to determine what is moral, what is immoral. I don't know if they realize what that suggestion if it is applied, mm. if it's truly put into practice. It's a catastrophe. Let's let me take you back to the fall the fall of man, right? Mm. In the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse um, 1 it says because this is the lie of the devil. Mm. It says now the serpent was more cunning mm. than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman or maybe speaking to whoever claims to be God or yes. claims to be the authority yeah. when it comes to what is good and yeah. what is evil, mm. right? Look what it says to the woman. Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Huh. And woman said to to the serpent, "We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is not in the midst of the garden, God God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die." Then the serpent said to the woman, "You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened." and you will be like god knowing good and evil mm, love it so we can tie that to the yeah. question is i can know what is good and evil without god i am god to myself mm. that that is the, the 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 religion out there people are saying i am god to myself i can be mother teresa i can be like jesus yeah. i don't need jesus himself I can practice I I I I can do charities. Yeah. But when we go back to the scripture, that was the same deception that the enemy deception. Deceive yeah. Eve and Adam telling them that you know what? God is trying to hide something from you. He mm. said you see you see if you if you eat of that, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be a wise person mm. and you will know you will differentiate what is right and wrong. You don't even need God to tell you what to do and mm -hmm. what not to do. Yeah. Because you yourself, you are capable. And I think that's what men are acting upon. We are, we as men, we are acting upon that initial uh, uh, deception. I know what yeah. we can call yeah. the shots. We can call things exactly, yeah. for ourselves <clears throat> without the Bible as the authoritative moral yeah. laws for yeah. how we live our life. We can do it on our own. And, but also the caution there also on the other part. I think I, I, I said it enough times, but I'm going to say it one more time. The other caution is, if you successfully convince everybody to live like that, mm. you have just surrendered your right to speak about right and wrong in anyone's life, in any society. Your right and wrong is going to be... So this whole thing, Abraham, the, the, the thing behind this whole kind of talking... You know, there's, uh, we say in therapy that theory informs practice. Everything that you find people doing anywhere, there is a theory behind it. There is a philosophy behind it. There's a teaching behind it. So the teaching or the philosophy behind this kind of thing, and it's very common, as you said, it's called relativism. Mm. It's, it's, it's the whole idea that, no, no, no. Oh, whatever you have determined that is right, that is right. Whatever Brother Abraham has determined that is right, mm. that is right. 
Whatever sister A has determined that is right, that is right. Mm. We are not saying that whatever the Bible has determined that is right is right. Mm. That is relativism. That what you are in charge mm. of what is right, what constitutes right, what mm. constitutes wrong, what constitutes moral, what constitutes immoral. Now, here is the the saddening reality. In practice, there there's no society that functions like that. There's mm. no society that functions like that. It'll be a chaos conflict. Oh my. Mm. Yeah, can you picture it for a second? <laughs> there's no society that functions like that. Mm. But when you find people engaging in these uh ideas and like have you paused long enough to to picture that mm. idea played out? Mm. Played out? Let's say you succeed to convince a whole community to to really be the ones who are the authors of what is moral what is immoral do you realize what you are doing with mm. if you succeed wow. if you succeed that's, uh, that's, this uh, person gave a, mm. a kind of a graphic example he says if society if we, let's say the world is com- comprised of three societies a b and c yes maybe those are the continents in the world so continent a continent b continent c so in in continent A they decide that yeah for, according to us according to how we see right and wrong yeah we are going to be okay with uh eating babies we're going to be okay with uh, mm. uh w- they list whatever things they want to be okay with now society C I want you to, to remember that we are living in a a, a, a world of relativism where mm. everybody is in charge of what is right what is wrong yes Now, society B mm. has no ground on which it can stand to call out any of the behaviors of society A. Which mm. ground are you going to stand on? You've just preached to me that no no no, you guys are in charge of deciding whatever you want to consider right, whatever you want to consider moral, whatever you consider immoral, you guys are in charge of that. But when you look at the reality in the world today, when when country a does something that we are generally not accepting as moral there's there's uproar mm. there's uproar in the world that no no come on no no you can't traffic uh, little girls what, yes. what what are you basing that on when you told me that i'm in charge of determining mm. what is moral what is moral oh no no you can't have sex with a uh, with with six year olds who said who say that's uh, based on what if i am in my house and i have determined that that is okay since you have preached to me that i am in charge of determining what is right and wrong what ground are you now basing on to tell me not to have sex with little seven year old girls so so this is the danger of preaching to people that no no guys mm. you don't need a moral standard You that can outside, be outside of us yeah, outside, outside of, of us you can be that standard mm. that is relative you can be that standard but you know what the bible also says in the book of romans that their own conscience was either uh, what's the word exonerating them or convicting them mm. the bible speaks of that our own conscience that your conscience their conscience was excuse you or accuse you i love that your conscience 
will excuse you or accuse you that speaks to something mm. it speaks to a god given reality or awareness wow that there's such a thing as a and also the bible right wrong. the bible also says that the love of god has been written in our hearts mm-hmm. except we have to suppress it yeah. for it not to speak out but it's there yeah. you know so how do some people who are raised without a religion mm. and they radically embrace mm. the christian religion or the christian faith people who have never been to church mm. who have never been raised in any church environment mm. but when they hear the gospel mm. or when they come across jesus radically they change mm. and let's say some of them were religious like let's say in a, in a in a different religion because it has always baffled my mind how can somebody from a former religion when they give their life to Christ they're so radical mm. and i'm asking myself why is it because the previous religion wasn't really that good for them yeah. and they have encountered <laughs> something so good yeah yeah yeah, yeah so qu- good question yeah how is it that some people who were really never had any contact with church or religion as they grow up and then they encounter Christ and they become very radical yeah two ways i can say to that the first way is that uh the, this invitation or this a uh, thing about Christ and us is a very personal thing at the core at the core it's a very personal thing it's a decision like like i said in roman how, how the bible says in romans 10:9 it is something that you first of all believe in your heart now there's no such a thing as a corporate believing in in your heart mm. very individual thing it's a very personal thing so it is possible regardless of the journey that somebody has walked when they encounter Christ they could be the most radical people I'm going to tell you of two examples Paul yes when yes. Paul encounters Christ he had lived a life that was as extreme as extreme wow. can be yes yes as mm. opposite of opposite as opposite can be wow to what the bible teaches interesting his life was Facts. that extreme to what the bible teaches in mm. fact he was killing people mm. who were professing to believe in christ he was killing the, those people wow there's another guy uh on the cross uh, the three guys when jesus is crucified and he sees he's hanging yes yes he was only <laughs> being killed that way because that was the way to so crucifixion that was the way to 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 kill people that had done very despicable things mm. so right besides him he's in this company of people who were rightfully not rightfully who were traditionally killed that way and the guy turns to jesus the very last minute mm. very last minute and, and says yeah you remember me in paradise so it does not matter it's you it actually doesn't wow. even play into good it, where, whether you have lived whatever kind of life whether you have been around church or not in terms of exposure when you encounter christ yeah you could be as radical as radical can be and you people know. i mean it was surprised me people that have no religious um or bringing or religious knowledge about nothing mm. but it just may be here about Jesus. Yeah. And and that desire for them comes in and they want to know more. Yeah. You know, compared to somebody who has been in church and they've heard they've heard yes, messages about Jesus, but 
they're not as passionate. That's mm. the word. Radical mm. in a sense of being passionate, yeah, no, yeah, not in, in a sense positive of way. Yeah. going out there and you know, yeah. hurting people or killing no, people. No, no. Radical in a, in a passionate yeah, sense. Yeah. You want to know Passion. more. You want your life to change. And you also want to share. That's something good that you have mm. received. Mm. You want to share with your family. And you're not even afraid of your life. You yeah. have that courage, that boldness yeah. to go out there. Such people I really admire. Mm -hmm. Because you might think... It would have been somebody who have been raised in church, yeah. who have had substantial knowledge about Jesus, and then for them to be so passionate, and then they're trying to tell the whole world, and they don't mind for your life to be at risk. But somebody who, let's say, came from a different religion, mm. had no knowledge about yeah. Jesus, yeah. but they are willing, their commitments, it's so great compared to somebody who have been in church. What, what's the what's the word the Bible makes reference to that uh, statement also but also there's this it's true in this word when we say that uh, familiarity breeds contempt yes <coughs> so I totally relate there and I've also seen uh, multiple examples where somebody who lived a life that did not have any opportunity to expose themselves to Christ, once they are exposed to Christ, it is so precious. It's something they hold with such uh, a jealousy, as the Bible says, uh, that you guard, guard your faith or your position. It says guard your position in Christ jealously. Guard it jealously. So I, I have found people who have lived a very uh, a past that had absolutely no exposure to Christ or religion in any sense. I have found them to be able to apply that scripture more than the ones who grow around church because of the contempt thing. Because you become so familiar with the, with the gospel. Hey, anytime you hear a word uh, with the word taught, oh, it's just another word that you have heard maybe multiple times before because you have been around it. And then some contempt grows into you and you start to take it lightly. But when, when uh, the person who had never really had this exposure, once they are exposed to Christ, once they encounter Christ, oh, it's a precious possession. It's a precious encounter. It is, it is something that they hold so dear, as the Bible says, that guard your position in Christ, in faith, jealously. But I think we should all, all have the zeal to, to guard our position in Christ jealously because it is true that... When we become Christians, when we accept Christ, there are many challenges that come as a result of wanting or desiring to live your life now based on this standard as opposed to living it on your own standards. <coughs> so we got to guard it jealously. Yeah, so the last question is, um, mm. what is the relationship between Christ and the church? And if there's any distinction, uh, please help us provide that distinction because uh, people are still confused about Christ and church. Um, so what really distincts both of them and how is Christ and church connected, interconnected, whatever? Because yeah. people need to know that you cannot take, you cannot separate church as a separate entity and you cannot see Jesus as a separate entity from the church. Yeah. Neither can you see the church as a separate entity from Christ. Yeah. So what is the connection or if there's any distinction, can you explain? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, profound question, yeah. 
So as we were talking about today during our 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 time of, of sharing the word today, it is true that the so the church okay, let me start there. Let me start uh let me take a step back. Jesus uses the word or the image of shepherd and flock when he's talking about church. But he's Jesus uh, speaks of himself as the chief shepherd. So when he speaks or when he says that word, what he has in mind that there's this idea of Jesus being the head of the church and then we are talking about the flock. So there's that relationship. Now, the flock is not Jesus. Okay? So the church is not Jesus. So if if, if you yes, for yeah. distinction. Yeah. So the church is not Jesus. Mm. However, Jesus is the head of the church. So to have a a church you need to subscribe to Jesus. Cuz cuz people could gather. People gather actually. People could gather. That doesn't make you a church. That doesn't make you an assembly of believers as uh, the bible says in colossians uh in first peter 5 uh 4 also we talked about in colossians yeah colossians 4 verse 14 just because you gather doesn't make that does not necessarily make you a church we are talking about gathering for the purpose of reverencing christ and acknowledging that this gathering has a head or this gathering is owned by Christ himself. So that interaction is always ongoing, ongoing. You cannot really think of a church without Jesus in terms of a relationship there. Wow. So very, 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 very profound. Can you have the church without Jesus? Mm. Uh, so that the, the biblically sound answer is no. You would have to find another word for that, for that group doesn't mean that everybody in that group has received Christ. No, no. But it means the purpose of this establishment is Christ. It means you can't, unless you have founded yourselves on something that completely not biblically sound, if you have founded yourself on a biblically sound motive or reason, it has to be Christ. If you're going to be called a church. If you're going to be called a church. So, uh, so that makes the you can't exist at a, as a church, biblically speaking, if you don't uh, revere Christ or if you do not subscribe to Christ as your reason for existence. Everything that Jesus, Jesus teaches when he thinks of church would not apply to you if you're not having Jesus as the head of that, of that group, of that gathering. So can you have church without Jesus? No, biblically speaking. Uh Realistically speaking, have we had gatherings that call themselves churches when they don't actually revere Christ? Yes, we have seen that. But we don't. Yes, I think where my ending our principle is you don't evaluate something 
on the basis of where it's mishandled or abused. No, you evaluate something on the basis of how it's supposed to be defined. So the church, yeah. So the church is only in existence uh, to, to only to, to the extent that it reveres Christ as the as the reason for its existence. So it's like it's like having a uh, in a relationship, husband and, and wife, right? Because in I think in Ephesians chapter five, if you go all the way down from verse twenty five um, yeah. to thirty three. Yeah. It gives us a clear picture, an image of Christ and the church, husband and wife, right? Yeah. So as a church, I mean, a body of Christ. So there's no way, for instance, you're married. Mm. I cannot be close to you mm. or, or want to develop a relationship with you mm. and your wife is not involved. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to get involved in your life yeah. or I want to be your friend, yeah. I also have to be a, uh, have to be a friend of your, your wife. Yes, yeah. You know, so... You cannot say you want the husband, but you have nothing to do with the wife. Mm. You know, so for me, that's how I say that. Yeah. Okay, the I church like is is, is the wife yeah. is the wife of Jesus, who is the husband. Mm. Mm. So if you're gonna love the husband, yeah. you have to love the wife. Yeah. You know, and then if you're gonna love the wife, you have to love the husband. Mm -hmm. You know, so or don't expect to please the husband, Jesus. Don't expect to please him mm. if you're going to be nasty to the wife. To the wife. It's like it's like Paul when Paul was trying to 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 kill the, the, the Christians. Yeah, the Christians, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the husband who's Jesus yes. too like why why yeah. why Paul why, why, why are you don't, persecuting no? why my persecu people? Yeah, yeah, why persecuting my wife? Yes. Yes. Why my sister, right? Yeah. Why persecuting my wife, you know? Yeah. So the husband because the husband and the wife they're pretty much one, you know? So can you imagine mm. that I like that example. Imagine Paul getting that encounter and he commits so much to Christ. Wow. But continues killing uh, Christians. Imagine that. Mm, 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 mm. See, you can't even yeah, apply it. Eh? Yeah. That's what I would hear if somebody is saying wow, to me that's, that's... that they are so connected to Christ, but they don't care about the church. And Paul, Paul was such an example of somebody who actually loved the church, cared about the church, mm. and, and all the epistles that we have are written to churches, mm. and, and we're still using it to, to edify, to exhort, to, 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 to train you know, as, as, as a church. He spent most of his good, wow. uh, life as a, as, a, as, a, as a believer planting churches. Wow. He spent his significant portion of time planting churches. When you read uh, the, 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 the pastoral letters, I saw that is uh, Timothy 1 and 2, you, you notice how much he devoted all his teaching and his entire thinking to making sure that people form assemblies, people form a, a, a local church somewhere, and people commit, and people serve, and people preach the gospel. You see how much he committed to doing that. And he says all oh, that, he's doing that for the sake of Christ. Wow. To the point of even actually dying, he was ready to die in the literal, physical sense of the word for the sake of the gospel. So Paul was a perfect example of somebody who commits to Christ and also contribute to the church. Absolutely. So, <coughs> absolutely. And then he was. It was. All, he's also a perfect example of somebody who was not raised in the church. The yes, church as absolutely. the Christian yeah. faith, because he was raised in another religion. That compares the life he lived mm. before encountering Christ. He realizes how precious it is that he is now in Christ. He compares the things he was capable of doing then, and uh, he compares to the life he's living now, changing people's hearts 
making sure the gospel is spread making sure that people live in harmony making sure that people are revering Christ he compares that to the life he lived before that encounter and he has to protect it with so much diligence yeah it's precious so pastor can you kindly um pray for those based on what we have discussed yes and people were struggling with the thoughts of you know what well, I don't need God I can be good yeah and people have risen in the church and then they realize you know what um I don't believe anymore yeah you know so yeah I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to that scripture in John chapter 17 where Jesus in a very very personal way one of the only uh recorded prayers that Jesus offers to his disciples but it's specifically he highlights that they are going to be challenged they are going to have disappointment they are going to have tribulation but he's saying that don't be overcome and he also prays to all those that will believe after it says uh, from verse 6 i have manifested your name um to to the man whom you have given me mm. so that is jesus praying to whom God. you have given me out of the world they were yours you gave them to me and they have kept your word yes now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you mm. for i have i have given to them the words which you have given me mm. and they and they have received me and they have known surely that i came forth from you yes. and they have believed that you sent me i pray for them i do not pray for the world but for those whom you have given me for they are yours and all mine are yours and yours are mine and i am glorified in them now i am no longer in the world but these are in the world and i come to you holy father keep true your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are while i was with them in the world i kept them in your name those whom you have those whom you gave me i have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled but now i come to you and these things i speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves so so this prayer is first of all for the believers and he's saying that the reason he's speaking on to speaking to these things that we may have full joy the full measure of joy in other words when jesus anticipates or pictures us in how we are to what we are to benefit from being a church being together being uh believers being uh, those who assemble as his disciples is anticipating or he's purposing or he's meaning for, for he means what he intends he's intending for us to have the full measure of joy itself from this gathering now he goes on to also remember now so that is a prayer for those who have believed now then he comes to verse 13 and says i am coming to you now but i say these things while i am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them now he goes to verse 14 and says i have given them your word and the world has hated them mm. did you hear that yes because of this word that you have brahim that in and of itself can be cause enough for the world to hate you now in the world here it refers to those who don't believe in the word as we share these words 
those of you now we are addressing those of you who have believed it is possible and it is true that that can be a basis for you being headed if you try to apply this scripture this word of god as a way of living people could hate you based on that basis but now he says in verse 15 my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one so this is this is Jesus praying as my brother he asked me to pray this is the prayer that came to my heart because it takes care of mm. the conversation we are having Jesus is praying for you and I who have believed that we have protection Amen. from the evil one and also he says they are not of the world even as I am not of it say sanctify them by the truth your word is truth mm. and you sent me into the world i have sent as you sent me into the world i have sent them into the world for them i sanctify myself they too may be truly sanctified now that is a prayer for you from jesus's mouth himself regarding you believers who have encountered whatever challenges you have encountered wow. this journey when you have been a disciple of Christ or when you're continuing to to disciple others now hmm. Jesus turns around also and says in verse 20 he says now for you my uh, fellow uh, brothers and sisters there who have not received Christ you have uh, been around church you have been around religion you have encountered multiple endless uh, disappointments and you have come to that place of sincerely saying you know what that's it that's enough mm. i will not have anything to do he says jesus prays for you and uh, uh, as well as he says this he says my prayer is not for them alone so not not for only the disciples or the believers mm. he says i pray also for those who will believe in me through their message wow but you catch that those people who are non-believers are only going to believe according to Jesus here through whose message our message believers message yes hmm. so when you quit you have not only wow. uh, quit for yourself but hmm. also you have made it impossible for the next person hmm. to come to faith through your message wow because how are you going to give the message when you're saying to me oh, for me pastor i quit no church no nothing for me hmm. and Jesus is saying to them to to praise also that all of them may wow. be one father just as you were in me i in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you wow. have sent me i have given them mm. the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one wow. i in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity mm. then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me you know what brings us to complete unity wow. when we are all becoming one believers believers doing their diligence to share the message so that more people can believe mm. then he's picturing this unity that is going to be complete wow. saying father verse 24 says father i want those you have given me to be with me where i am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world wow. which as father he prays as he concludes and says though the world does not know you i know you and they know that you have sent me i have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in wow. in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that i myself 
maybe wow. in them. We have prayed all wow. this in the name of Jesus Christ.